Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. Welcome to the Barker Podcast Collection. Watching podcast. My name's Rob Howard, and this year I'm joined by Marcus Hurley. Yeah, it's been a while, um, but then all hell broke loose, and we were thinking of uh, doing a show around the release of uh, Black Widow. Yes, but uh, yeah, those cinemas are not working anymore. Uh, you can't go in them at all no. uh, for a while, and. They're talking about July, uh, and so far Chris Nolan's Tenet has not been uh, put back yet, but apparently in the next week or so they're going to be making a call on whether that will be the first film that we're allowed to see in the cinema, but obviously that involves the entire world being back to normal because they won't want to release a film that massive without people being able to see it. (laughs) Um, do you think they'll do a version called the COVID-19 cut or something where you see <laughs> fake sort of audience members in the bottom just to give you that cinema experience? They do like an overlay, <laughs> <laughs> like odd person on their phone, someone sneeze in. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, in lieu of any new releases, we thought we would go through what we have managed to see so far this year. Uh, obviously there's still been films coming out and streaming. I managed to catch a few on a plane. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll go through those. And, and also, uh, they've had some films like that almost were, you know, st- stuff, uh, you know, certain films got released theatrically, but then because their theatric release was, um, cut short they kind of went on to streaming platforms at a slightly inflated price but still not a bad deal um and on that subject i suppose i can get into one of them um which was the invisible man which i paid 10 pound to see on amazon the other day um yeah i think it came out originally at 16 pound but they reduced it so i thought oh that's all right it's like yeah i wanted to see that normally yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's uh, it's a horror film, uh, a Blumhouse production, directed by Lee Wan Ow and stars Elizabeth Moss. And it's it like all good horror films, it's kind of got a metaphor, um, you know, at the heart of it. Yeah. And this one is uh, Battered Housewives, basically, because the film opens with her sort of trying to hatching a brave escape from this lunatic tech guy that she's married to. Yeah. And uh, she escapes and 
the news comes out that he's killed himself or something and or he's dead basically uh but then um she starts to uh go a little bit insane like someone sort of messing with her you know um trying to basically destroy and isolate her yeah physically like mentally and then eventually physically um, but yeah, it's really well done. Uh, there's because it's Lee One L. The last film he did was um, Upgrade, and I oh, might wicked. remember. Yeah, I love that yeah. film. Yeah, you might remember like there was some really cool like camera t- tricks going on. Yeah, which they sort of it sort of does come up a bit in this film, um, and there's some really cool like long takes of uh, of her basically almost like Fight Club. Looks like she's beating herself up. Oh, clearly someone who's messing with her and um yeah there's some cool twists and turns uh that, that they make a good effort of basically uh letting her walk off screen and then the camera just hanging in an empty space to sort of indicate that someone might be there oh, and you're that's nice of, that's really yeah, so you end up like studying the frame and are you like did something just change there or did i imagine it so I had to rewind it a few times and I was like, yeah, I must have just imagined that because it's just a very subtle thing that you can't even check again, you know, like it's really subtle. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I rank, I, I will rate that. That's definitely uh, one of the best films I've seen in this first five months of the year uh, that hasn't had a lot going on, really. But, yeah. What, what have you seen, Marcus, well, that's uh, floated your I way? think I'm glad you brought up a horror one, because I saw a horror one, which came out, funny enough, it came out June last year, but I hadn't been able to get round to seeing it until, I think it's on Netflix now. It was either Netflix or Now TV. <coughs> we watched it on, or we might have grabbed it off uh, Google Play, one or the other. Um, Child's Play. Child's Play reboot. Oh, Chucky. yeah, like the, re- re- yeah. the redo. Mate, <laughs> as reboots go, it's pretty sweet. Um, how oh, they managed cool. to make the same thing happen in a completely different way was it was brilliant because I knew nothing about this story. Um, no. I assumed it was going to be a, a just an update, um, but no, it's it's different. It's completely different. Um, in the original one, it's typical eighties cheese, sort of like how House of um, how Evil Dead is and all those sort of films, Nightmare on Elm Street, how it's it's almost a bit, you have to suspend belief to jump into the world. Because I think it's, um, I thought I remember when we did this horror binge years a couple of years back, and that was on there, we watched all of them. It was a, a murderer being chased by the police and he goes into the, the doll factory. And I think he gets shot and then he gets struck by lightning and his soul transfers into one of the dolls which is atypical 80s, like, yeah, let's do that. That's supernatural and weird and freaky, and people would love it. And they did. And, you know, it spanned, like, four sequels, I think. Five sequels, including, like, Bride of Chucky. Um, Like all horror franchises should. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or did. But but in this one, they've (laughs) gone a completely different route. With it being updated and set in 29... I think it might even... I don't know when it's set, actually. It I think it was from last year. Yeah, but I can't remember when it's actually meant to be set because it it felt a bit 80s in it, but it wasn't because the tech was now. So you've got like drones and stuff like that and everything else and the kids are arseholes as they are now. So I think it is now, but everyone's got like a weird um, sort of like 70s, 80s clothing thing about them. 
Okay. Which is fashion, so it might have just be people love wearing that. Um, I think it's set in New York as well, but it's about a single mum and her 13-year-old son moved to a new neighbourhood. She's doing the whole busting her ass, working all hours to try and get him whatever, and she's working in this toy shop, and she gets a, a return doll, one of the dolls, because it was slightly defective. I think the point was it didn't collect to the, cr- the cloud, so it was just odd and kind of broken so she takes that oh, home to yeah. her kid and it imp- the attack in it imprints on you and you become its best buddy so then it's meant to follow you around and everything and learn oh, right. from so, you so it's a bit of a got a bit of a black mirror yes thing going it's on. so much it's like it's like if charlie brooker went you know what i'm gonna have a stab <laughs> at that <laughs> um yeah yeah it's really good so all of the stuff that happens doesn't come from it being evil per se it comes from it learning from the errors of humans so if you say something like oh that damn cat fucking hate it wish it go away it would take that as the cat is a threat it must be dealt with (laughs) (laughs) which happens in the film and it's really really good um i was pleasantly surprised at how they did it and there's it does set itself up for a sequel as well it ends completely okay. the first time round, but it it also sets up for a a follow up. Am I coming for yeah, okay? Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm just adjusting the volume oh, on cool. on my headphones. Yeah, uh, which I do by holding this or tapping. It, <laughs> like you're sort of trying to find out where where um where Mr. Anderson is. <laughs> just... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah it's cool. He's like, Future tech. He doesn't know, know what. <laughs> yeah. God, I haven't so seen that film like, in ages. So, uh, yeah, it's like a little bit AI. It's, uh, yeah. But with a horror and angle it's, it's the, And then the thing is, there's a bit, and it goes all batshit when he gets learned and he gets passed around and there's like the neighborhood kids, some of them are complete dicks, and obviously the kid's trying to fit in. And he um, he basically makes friends with them, and they're all a bit wild and stuff. And they're like, "Oh yeah, do this!" And they're watching all these programs of people bashing each other in the head with stuff, and it's soaking all of these up. And you're thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" <laughs> so it's it's more of a case of the evil that it 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 kind of absorbs isn't from a murderous soul; it's from the things that we don't think about we're doing as kids. And the things that we're absorbing through media and our environment and just how people are to each other. And it, it kind of soaks it all up. But because it's it's a robot, it kind of treats it as pure logic. So it's either yeah. best friend or enemy or whatever or this or that. And that's what kind of makes it evil because it's almost pure. But it's pure logical evil rather than anything satanic or spiritual or anything. So it kind of makes it worse in a way. Because it's tech, cool. you can't escape it. But yeah, I really, I really recommend it. Um, it's different, and I think Mark Hamill does the voice for the doll as well. Yeah, I was, I was just trying to confirm that because I saw like on the IMDb page, there's a picture of him. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't have him on the cast list. For no, some reason, which um, yeah, but I've, yeah, but I've seen that he did actually do that. But it's <laughs> just, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, oh, it's on IMDb. Um, it does say director. Working with Mark Hamill on his up-and-coming reboot, Child's Play. So I guess he just remained uncredited. Yeah, it's weird. I remember hmm. hearing that he was involved somehow, but um, 
Yeah. Um, no, while we're talking about horrors, I watched another horror that I really wanted to get to before we uh, did this. And uh, that oh, yeah, was he is credited out. on IMDb. Oh, is. Yeah, you have to expand it. He's right at the bottom, near enough, of the oh, main right. bit. Yeah, it's weird, because <laughs> they normally order them by fame or something. Yeah, and, and maybe he just asked to give the other people kudos. Yeah. Anyway, I saw a film called Colour Out of Space, which is a... Uh, it's directed by Richard Stanley, who's a bit of a weirdo, to be honest, and is obsessed with H.P. Lovecraft, who wrote the story that this is based on. And uh, basically, uh, it stars Nicolas Cage oh God. as a guy who lives in a, a house sort of out in the country, oh and something lands in their back garden, and it's just this weird sort of thing, like glowy thing. Um, <laughs> and then kind of, they all start going a bit mad. Oh my God. If Nicolas Cage at the helm. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the Cthulhu RPG and a big yeah. component of that is the whole sand loss system. So I'm, you're just watching him sort of slowly lose it um, and horrible things happening. And it really does, uh, it really does stick very close to the whole Lovecraft oh, Cthulhu thing. Because um, you, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I might as well tell you because I don't think you're ever going to really watch them. But the whole, and it's kind of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen season three, I think, of Sabri- of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, yeah. Um you're probably not going to watch it, so you're safe, me telling you. And anyone, well, you never know. Netflix is going to run out of yeah. content uh, at the end of the year. Well, okay, so so maybe, I won't. I'll save that tidbit and we'll come back to it. Because <laughs> I oh, think okay. it's worth a watch. If you run out of stuff, um, as kind of like teen horror type shows go, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll pave over that bit then. Okay, we'll probably edit yeah. that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, if but I yeah, can be asked. but yeah, no. I mean, we've, it's a distinct lack of Cthulhu-based horror. I mean, I the only last one I can think of is The Void, and I yeah, would love was... for there to be something like that on Netflix, like something where you're watching this town, kind of like um, I don't know anything. Like it starts off like eerie Indiana, but then it just goes <laughs> completely mental, like the plate shift and stuff, and the the Eldridge terrors awaken and, and it all literally falls apart to the point where it's not one of those ones where they can undo it by finding the mystical totem or the Wujima did or the Oculus Lumen or something like that. You know, there's yeah. no undoing this. It's literally you're watching how re- not the world ends, but reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, the big, that the would big be amazing. That, the big theme of the whole sanity thing is, um, there's like you might if you if you make your sanity roll, you learn a bit more and that's bad. Hmm. And if you fail it, then you go mad. So there's no way out of this uh, situation. See, I, I think basically. there's so many things. And they cover they cover both halves of that because different characters in this movie uh, react hmm. different in different ways. You know, like uh, the the young daughter is uh, into her witchcraft and stuff. And so she's able to uh, sort of uh, perceive the okay. madness yeah. uh, slightly better. Because she's got a better that's... understanding of the askew aspects of Yeah, things. but it's still bad news yeah. because she goes, she, 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 she starts to uh, like work with it. Her insight and, uh, is a bit much. Without going into too much yeah. detail. 
Um, that's the thing. When, yeah, you, that's... when you said that, and I think I remember it now. I remember thinking to myself, oh, God, is this another Mandy? Where <laughs> Nicolas Cage goes absolutely mental and just unhinged in like <clears throat> the yeah. most spectacular way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not, as, it's not as loopy as that, but... Well, it's not as, like, visceral, hmm. but, um, like, this is a bit more psychological, but it's still got a very similar sort of aesthetic. Might have to watch you know, that. Like the, I do love the music it. and the visuals. I wouldn't say, like, it's it's like they've spent a lot of money on it, but it kind of works yeah. if you're willing to go with it kind of thing. No, there's some I mean, really good, I'm, I'm there's fine some good with practical that. effects, but some of, the, uh, some of them are a bit ridiculous, but there's another... Practical effect that's really quite nasty. And, Jesus, uh, I've just seen the poster for, for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know when you watch a horror film and like something just creeps you out, and yeah. you're like, "Yeah, money's worth." Yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, that it was me when I saw um, Hellraiser. Even though I'd seen it way after everyone had, like, because it's one of those films you see when you're a kid, and yeah. everyone talks about it. I missed that seen all of the others Hellraiser or something I never got into um, I saw that and I kind of went I don't really get it not much is happening oh Jesus <laughs> when they start peeling and it's just like fuck yeah I mean I didn't come to that until recently yeah and it still worked on me it yeah. wasn't really what I expected but it sort of had a fairly simple idea at the heart of it yeah same and then here it, and yeah. then it just and then it just goes bonkers yeah and I think a lot of I think a lot of good horror these days is kind of built that way, um, just being like having a good enough idea to sort of be self-contained. Mm. It's refreshing to see, you know, after like um, Hereditary how much time does the same, watching. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, it's I, all I'd about say that's grief. even. <laughs> yeah, that feels almost a bit more uh, expansive, though. Like, well, you know, it's, it's a two and a half hour movie. I know, there. but but the idea initially is grief, and you think, oh, it's grief that's doing it to them, and they're going a bit mad from it, and how they can't handle it, and you think that's the core thing, and you think, oh, yeah. the neighbor's a bit weird. She's just going to take advantage of their grief and introduce them into a cult or something, and then it completely does a Batmobile turn on a lamppost and you're like holy shit yeah <laughs> absolutely so, mad yeah I, I would say that's oh, that's definitely for me like one of those but I would love for them to do like a proper Lovecraftian where it feels like they save the budget for when things go on because it's more about the drama and the the atmosphere and the people and the, the goings on isn't it it's more about the word but in this case translated you know, yeah, it, it almost it almost could be the end game for somewhere like Twin Peaks, which would explain everything that goes on there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's planning on adapting more. Uh, there's um, Dunnage Horror, I think, is another story that he's trying to okay. get made. But obviously, it's difficult times now, is especially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you listen to an interview with Richard Stanley, he is a very odd man. <laughs> so um, you need that mind yeah. sometimes, though, don't you? Yeah, that's what I mean. I f he feels like really uh, like he's got the authentic sort of uh, understanding. I've just of seen what this picture. Lovecraft's all about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is a little bit weird. I've hovered over um, him on Wikipedia. Yep. Jeez. Okay. So what you what you got next? Um, okay, I'm probably gonna actually no, I'm gonna go for. Um, another thing that we saw on Netflix called uh, 
Night Hunter, and this has just kind of come on there fairly recently. It's Henry Cavill and oh, right. Ben Kingsley, and it's a kind of like in the vein of um, searching for a killer kind of thing. Um, there's, I think it's a girl goes missing, and they're basically just one of those. They have to find it, but they find the suspect almost at the start. And it's more of a case okay. of whether they have the right suspect or not. And things change and change and change. And it's not one of the ones that has loads of twists and turns, but it's one that leads you down a path and then you can't, you start questioning that path and then it turns and then you're like, oh, okay. Um, and it's quite a really good story. And I didn't see the twist coming because there's always a twist so I'm not spoiling it by saying that it's a crime film Um, normally you can kind of predict it maybe you will Um, but yeah it was pretty good finding out more and more and Henry Cavill does a really good job Um, I put that in my notes Um, he does a really good job as a smart action man and father stroke husband (laughs) because he he's really kind of getting into his acting chops he channels a bit of a bit of Witcher um, towards the bad guys but not massively he's not like oh I'm invincible I can do all of this he's he's just okay um, and yeah he seems like he gives a shit and everything and when things go wrong he goes straight to his family and everything and it's just yeah it's it was really good it felt like watching an old school thriller um, which I don't think they do as well anymore um, but yeah this was a really good crime thriller thriller Good cast. Yes, really good. Ben Kingsley does a really good job as well. Um, It's sort of like he plays a father to a girl and they're sort of entrapping people. It's not spoiling people. So they're going after kind of guys that groom people on the internet and they kind of entrap them in a hotel and then Ben Kingsley uh, blackmails them into basically giving up their ways or he he helps them. Okay. But it's worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. Cool. Okay. I, I shall add that. It's to hard not list. going into any details on it because it's all plot and you don't want to yeah, give anything yeah, yeah. away and it's new. But yeah, I and definitely on, recommend it. And that's on Netflix? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I shall give it a look. Uh, what else have I got here? What else have I got? Um... Uh, okay, yeah, uh, probably should mention Extraction. Yeah, that's what I've got on as well. <laughs> cool. Oh, well, that's one we've both seen. That's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is Chris Hemsworth, and uh, this is a straight-to-Netflix-like uh, yes. action movie, pretty much. Um, it's directed by the guy who uh, did a lot of the stunt work on the Marvel movies. Oh, really? Um, Sam Hargrave. Yeah, he's actually in it as well. He plays like that sniper guy with the top knot uh, beard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he directed it. It's actually just been... uh, Netflix have announced that uh, they're going to do another one. They're not sure whether it's a sequel or prequel, though, because I don't know how long they want to make that ending. Yeah. um, A bit of a sort of... Ambiguous, yeah. Non-decisive. Ambiguous, that's the word, yeah. when I when I first started watching it, I jokingly said to myself, "This is like Call of Duty Gladiator. <laughs> this is Chris Helmsworth's Call of Duty version of Gladiator." Um, yeah, I love. I gotta say, I love the fact that it was set in India, setting it somewhere where you could get away with the level of chaos, <laughs> because 
in most places, getting hit randomly by a car wouldn't work too well unless it was pitch black or they didn't see you. In India, they wouldn't care if you were in the road because they'd be doing something else. And it, the car, yeah. the truck, the bus would hit you. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. And seeing just the craziness of it and all that sort of stuff and the setting. Yeah. I wondered whether Chris, we were wondering whether this was one of his projects that he wanted to do, whether he had some clout in getting it done. And no, nah, it was the Russo's. Yeah. Cause it's based on a, it's based on a, a Russo graphic novel. Oh really? The, yeah. Russo's who did Avengers. Hmm. Uh, one of them, it's, um, I can't remember which one. I put, oh, it's uh, Joe, Joe Russo. Um, yeah, Joe, Joe Russo wrote the screenplay based on a graphic novel called Q Dad by okay. Andre Parks, Joe, oh, Joe and Anthony Russell. So they both collaborated on this graphic novel and this is the movie of it. Oh, blimey. Because uh, they can basically do whatever they like yeah. now. <laughs> I really liked it, to be honest. I thought this was really good. Um, yeah, I got a little bit. I got a little bit confused with like all of the different parties because I saw that he gets hired to find the kid. <laughs> yeah. Then, then this Indian guy is like, "We've got to find the kid." Yep. But I guess is one of them working for the. He works for the team, the extraction team, who were hired to do a job. But then the dad. This is this is plot spoiler. So if anyone who hasn't listened, turn off for a few minutes and come back. I wouldn't um, worry about it too no, much. No, no, it doesn't affect the the feel of the film. I mean, I just okay. found it a bit so confusing. He works for a team that were hired to extract the kid who was kidnapped. So basically, Hemsworth you've got is. the extraction team who Chris Tyler Hull, Rake. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Tyler um, Rake is superheroes yeah. are us. <laughs> no, the yeah, predator yeah. extraction team. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got. You've got the guy who holds the kid, who's the kingpin crime lord, and yeah, he owns the police. He was yeah. the guy who had the henchman throw the kid off the roof. <laughs> yeah, as as all great yes, villains as, as, do. This is my introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. even the guy that does it. He's the guy that doesn't care someone else doing it on his behalf. And he just yeah, watches. he's too busy getting other kids to cut their fingers off. Yes, exactly. He's sort of like the yeah. Indian Yakuza wannabe kind of nice, <laughs> friendly uncle kind of chap. Raj yeah. Kuza or something. <laughs> like, yeah, but um, and you've got those, and then you've got the father who hires his own chief of security, who you see earlier on when the kid comes back from school. He's the guy who speaks to him and says, "Where were you? You were supposed to come straight back." Is this the Indian guy? That's yes. Asked the kid? Yeah. So who hired Tyler Rake? Who's Tyler Rake? Oh, the main character. Yeah. Um, he works for the group. You know the group who were going to get paid and they don't get paid? Oh, He's working right. for them. So That's they, why they're talking to him. He's part of that so team. So they just, they're like a third party that extracts people. Yeah, and he's he's one of their men, basically. So why don't they, why do they fight? Why don't they just go, yeah, we, we're both ultimate. Oh, because they want the money for getting the kid yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. They want the money, but he was going to go in, not deliver the money, fuck them up, get the kid, and get out. Basically, who, who calling was not a deli- ridiculous oh, over-the-top. The, the dad was not going to deliver the money. The dad didn't want to pay anyone, so he sent his own person, and that's what fucked it up. So now oh, you've got okay, Tyler basically it. running from the kid's own father's henchman, the police and the military who both work for the crime boss who had the kid in the first place and he's basically trying to get back to his team can you can you see why I might not have followed that <laughs> Susan was a bit confused as well and I was like I explained yeah, it yeah I was ah. a bit like I was a bit, 
See, I was a bit like, oh, hang on, what's going Why is on? Why everyone here? Then, after him? It's like, but but that action scene, that twelve minute action scene, yeah. which is all done like it's one shot, was so well executed. Oh, yeah. I was just like, well, I just don't really care. What, was it the bit where they're, they're going through the, 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 the part and it's like the open courtyard with the washing and yeah, stuff? Yeah, like it's like a just, car chase, yeah. like and they like and I watched the thing where Chris Hemsworth explained like they were following that guy and this guy and he just handed the camera into the to a guy that was in the car. <laughs> That was and amazing, then, and then and then and then they were able to do a very quick oh, subtle yeah, cut yeah. there, and, but it looks seamless. And then all of a sudden, they're in the car, and like it's completely. That crazy. was amazing. I did wonder how they did that. That was really good. Yeah, they literally just passed a camera around. Hmm. Yeah, it did yeah. confuse me because I thought because when his when that team get taken out by like a commando unit initially, I'm like, oh, yeah. maybe they're working for the bad guy who wants the kid back. And then one of them survives, and he's the main henchman, the right-hand man of the kid's father. And he's the one that just gets beaten up and escapes, doesn't quite die. And then um, he's the one that's hunting them. But then when he started shooting the police, I was thinking, then who is this guy? Who's What side's he on? Because you forget. And then, yeah. No, it was really good, though. It was, it was kind of like a nice take on one of those batshit, uber-violent Korean movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely had that in mind um but yeah the, the director's up for doing the second one as well and i think uh chris hemsworth is yeah i mean i think we'll see more of this especially if the world oh, yeah. continues on its present course i like, think they might realize getting... as well that maybe they don't need to do the whole cinema thing so much so a lot of their planned ones where it's more of a risk releasing it in the cinema um, they might just decide to bypass it and save it for their Uber triple A titles. I reckon you might get uh I reckon when this the sequel comes out, if if the world's in a better place, they might do like a short run. Because yeah. they did it for um uh like Scorsese movie. It came out like a couple of weeks earlier at the cinema. Okay. Or you could wait two weeks and watch it at home. Uh, which is cool because you're giving yeah. people the choice then. Yeah. That's a good idea. And like, you know, if they want to go to the movies, here's a cool movie, yeah. watch it on a massive screen. Or if you're not that fussed, wait a couple of weeks, watch it at home. Yeah. Keep paying your subscription. <laughs> <laughs> True. But yeah, one, one, one last thing about this film. It's got a very misleading runtime, unless you're like into watching 20 minutes of credits. Yeah. I, I did see how and much was movie. left. Yeah. It is like an hour and a half movie. And I was like, oh, it's finished already. <laughs> I thought it was ages to go. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, they're just really long credits. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Maybe the fan club um, are in there as well, like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So what have you seen anything else that I've seen or um, what, what else have you seen? Well, film-wise, um, no. I've not seen 1917 yet. Everyone's been absolutely raving about that. I need to see that. I've not right, seen well, The Invisible I'll- Man or Parasite. Um, so, yeah, no. Okay, all right. Well, I'll quick. I'll just quickly mention them then uh, before we end. Um, Parasite. I watched on the plane. That may have affected my opinion of it. <laughs> uh, it's got a very neat idea, but it's not the best film he's made, in my opinion. I would reserve that honour to probably Snowpiercer, maybe or um, Okjar. I thought was better. Okay. Um, but it, it's got a cool idea. Pig thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. With Jake Gyllenhaal and stuff. I mean, maybe I'm just mentioning those two because they're not completely subtitled. 
Um, but this this film has a good idea, Parasite. But I've seen much better, like more uh, biting Korean films. You know, it's no old boy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I guess they they thought it was time to honor honor it. Um, Personally, I would have given Best Picture to 1917 because it is a tour de force, virtuoso movie in a similar way to like the, you know, the one shot stuff. I mean, it seems unfair giving films like that so much kudos, but they are pushing cinema forwards in such a incredible way. You know, when we live in a world of like, I mean, as someone who gets a certain amount of gratification out of video games, uh, the way that they portray action, to have yeah. them be able to hit that in a cinematic way is awesome. So mind-blowing. And literally any film that attempts anything that audacious gets, like, extra points for me. So, um, yeah, 1917 is literally the epitome of that. Mm. It's all, like, one continuous take. Uh, it takes you through some, like... Uh, visceral and emotional highs and lows uh, as it should do on a film based on the first world war yeah it's absolutely breathtaking and yeah. there's, there are times where you just you just go how the fuck did they make this you know like yeah. it's just unbelievable and watching the making of stuff some of which I've watched uh, uh, makes it even more impressive mm. like just just the lengths they went to there's one pit where uh, there, there's these guys running up a hill and they're and they're carrying the camera and putting it onto a truck. No way. And then and then they're dressed as soldiers, so they uh, can then run across. Yeah. The so the, there's some of the people that are do, running across the the screen in that uh, big wide shot yeah. you see. They're actually people like the who crew are getting the paid double. <laughs> yeah, they're getting paid double for like running the camera up nice. and doing stuff. Yeah, that's it's pretty sick awesome. way of doing it. Because then you haven't got to worry about getting the edge of shot and having to deal with that. Because it's well, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty yeah, cool. It's awesome. Um, I take it that's all we're doing really for movies. Uh, I just wanted to. Oh yeah, um, yeah, kind of. Um, let's just see how this goes. I, because I wanted to mention I, one more, but not a movie I've seen, but just sort of like a teaser for a movie. Have you seen oh, the film sure. Train to Busan? The Korean. I film? have. I have. What did you think of it? I loved it. I've got to say, it's one of the best zombie films I've seen because of character, plot, and just the sheer terror and insanity of it. There is a sequel uh, called Peninsula, and they have a teaser yeah. trailer. I've not seen the teaser trailer yet, but I just thought it was worth a mention that I'm glad that we're dipping back into that world because fucking hell. <laughs> is it actually a proper sequel because the way i saw it marketed well they said it says train presents. to busan train to busan presents yeah like fast and the furious presents well it's it's, it's in the same weird. world i mean they say it takes place four years after the first film right okay so it's that's why it present it i guess because it's the korean peninsula so if it's set in korea i guess it's all about the entire place is infected now which is a another way of doing it so maybe it's about the entire yeah because then they'll just they could just do another one and in different areas which would be quite cool something i wish they did with the walking dead um i i i just i'm just a bit um disappointed that we didn't get boat to basan or 
uh, well, plane to, to be honest, Busan. this might be, but maybe they looked at the title. You know, zombies on a bu- zombies on a plane to Busan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, no, I, I, but to be honest, I, I kind of feel from the the vibe and the way that that film was, the first film. If they do another one that's even remotely like it, I'm definitely up for it. Even though we are zombied the hell out. We've had so much zombies, it's kind of like a dead genre, an undead genre almost, if you want to be funny. But it's it is what it is. But I, I <laughs> this is one I would watch. Um Oh, I did actually see another film called a, a French film, actually. Bloody hell, that's reminded me. I did see a zombie French film and I can't remember what it was called. It Eats the Night, I think. Oh, right. And that's on Netflix. It's about a guy. Yes, I think that's what it's called. And it's it's set in France, Paris. And it's a guy who goes to a party to collect his stuff from his now ex-girlfriend while she's having a party. And he goes in there and he's just sitting there and he goes into a room and she's like, just go and collect your stuff and we'll talk afterwards. And he falls asleep there and then all manner of shit happens. And basically a zombie apocalypse. But these zombies are different. They are... The fast zombies, okay, but they don't rage. They're quiet. They just run at you and bite you, and you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying because I've never seen. It's like this. They're stealth, aggroed zombies. Um, right. and I just thought that's something I've never seen before. And they've got this weird. They're literally their teeth are like chattering. So it's a bit like the girl with the goods, girl with all the gifts. That's it. Uh, where they kind of like chatter a bit when they can sense like anything nearby and they start going a bit like it's a bit like yeah but it's just the way they run they run like normal people would run up to you um, because I think it's okay. still fresh that this outbreak's happened so they're not completely falling apart some of them might have half their face bitten off or whatever or a leg missing but it was just because he looks down and sees people trying to escape and one person just doesn't quite get the car door shut and they run up to them and they just open the door and they all just pile in and it's like fucking hell. <laughs> and he, he basically spends most of the film in this apartment going slightly mad and just doing things and just trying to survive. Nice. And then, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was quite worth... It was alright. It wasn't a bad film. It wasn't a bad film. Just remembered that one. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Not Watching Podcast, part of the Not Listening Podcast Network, where you can also find the Not Playing Podcast, where we talk about video games, and the Not Listening Podcast, where you can hear Adam and Co. talk about all kinds of nonsensical nonsense. You can email us at notwatchingpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at or follow us on Twitter at notwatchingpod. You can find the show notes for all our shows at notlistening.co.uk and if you like what you've heard here, please do leave us a review. Anyway, that's all for now. Take care and stay safe. Vives en Virginia. 
Si recibiste la vacuna contra COVID-19, sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. 